There we go. Amen. Uh, uh, my name is Chase, for those who do not know me. Uh, this is my wife, Ashley, and we are the Southerns to South Africa. Uh, Pastor McIntyre said Southerns to South Africa because it kind of sounds the better. Uh, so I'll go by that. Uh, but uh, I wanted to tell you guys before we start, we truly do need prayer. Please take a prayer card. Uh, put one on your fridge. Put one in your car. Take three or four. I don't care. Just pray for us. Uh, we really do need it. Uh, and also, we've got ministry t-shirts. Uh, what's your name, sir? Trevor, can you stand up and show everybody? Uh, clearly, as you can see, once you wear your South Africa shirt, your muscles look way better. So if you guys could get one of those t-shirts, I'd really appre- appreciate it. Uh, but just get it with one contingency. When you wear that t-shirt, you'll pray for us. Uh, we truly believe uh, that there's power in prayer. Uh, and so we are super excited to be here. If you don't mind opening your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 this evening. I am super stoked about uh, being up here. I'm, I feel very privileged and honored uh, to be able to preach in front of uh, men of God uh, that are in this room. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people that were probably more qualified, uh, but if there's anything that I'd like to challenge you tonight, it's that the, I want to challenge you to focus on what Paul focused on. It was his cause, and it's the same cause that we have. And so if, as we start in Philippians chapter 1, I want to read one verse for you. But before that, let's, let's just talk about the context. So Paul, the author, he's writing this, but he's really not writing this from a good situation. I mean, he writes this from jail. He was preaching the gospel so hard that after being beaten, after being mocked and humiliated, he has now been imprisoned. And so now he writes this book uh, whilst being imprisoned. And so whenever I'm reading this and whatever I'm studying up on this, this is a book of joy. And I'm like, how in the world could Paul write a book on joy in the midst of all these bad things that are happening to him? And I started realizing it's because it's not, it's where his focus is. It's, it's because his focus was not on himself. You see, many a times us as Christians, when bad things come our way, whenever trials come or hard things come, We tend to focus on ourselves, and because of that, we lose joy. Or because of that, our emotions go like this. But Paul, he was able to write a book on joy in the midst of tough times because of two things. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, To rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, because his focus was on the Lord. And then we read verse 12 of Philippians chapter 1, and this is what he's focusing on in this, uh, this passage. He says this, But I would... Ye should understand, brethren, fellow Christians, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto what? The furtherance of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so good to us. Lord, allow us to get something from your word tonight. Lord, I know that we're here and we're excited to be here. We're here for uh, a missions conference, Lord. Uh, just please work in our hearts. Allow me to be used of you to get your message to these people. I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Paul is in this situation, and I'm telling you, this is an exciting passage, but I want to challenge you to make a decision tonight, because I believe every time that you hear the word of God, there's a decision to be made. The Bible says to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So whenever you hear this tonight, I want each and every one of you to make this decision, that your sole focus is going to be on furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul writes this, and he he basically writes a missionary update letter. He's updating a church that had been supporting him, and he says, look guys, I want you all to understand something. 
Everything that's happened unto me, it's all happened for the furtherance of the gospel. So that means all of the beatings, all the mockings, the humiliation, being imprisoned, all of these things have happened so that the gospel of Jesus Christ could get furthered. And so as he writes this, he starts showing us uh, kind of what God has done in his life. Now, I'm telling you, if I was in Paul's situation, you know what I'd be doing? If I was in prison for preaching the gospel, I'd be writing a prayer letter to pastor and to the church, and I'd be like, can y'all pray I get out of prison, please? And I'd be praying to God, and I'd be like, God, please get me out of here. I need some Chick-fil-A and some Taco Bell. I need some comfort food, you know? Because a lot of times whenever bad things come our way, we tend to want comfort. But Paul, his focus is not on himself. So he's not worried about comfort. Instead, he actually sees his chains actually being imprisoned as an, as an advantage to furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. He actually brags about being in jail in Ephesians chapter 6. Like this is just, his whole focus is just on furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. So instead of saying, God, get me out of here, he's saying, hang on a sec. This is an advantage. So read verse 13 with me. He says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So basically what he's saying is that once he was thrown in jail, he saw this as an advantage. So he starts preaching the gospel. So instead of saying, hey, get me out of here, he says, hold on a sec. So I'm chained up these guys for hours at a time. You mean to say, I can preach the gospel and they can't run away. (laughs) So he just starts preaching Jesus. He starts telling these guys about Jesus Christ. He starts telling these guys their sins can be washed away, that Jesus Christ ended up dying on the cross for their sins. But you know what's crazy about this is I don't believe that Paul's attitude started uh, in the middle of nowhere. I think it was because of something happened. You know, and it, I believe it all started with what we know as the Great Commission that Ben Broyles mentioned earlier. Because as we know, Jesus Christ ended up dying, or he, went, he was sent from heaven to this earth and he lived a perfect life. And as he lived his perfect life, he did nothing wrong, but he was crucified. And as he's up there on the cross, he's not dying for himself. He's dying for us, for our sins. And as he says those final three words, it is finished. He dies, but he defeats death by rising again from the dead three days later. And right before he ascends into heaven, he gives one great command, one last commission, known as the Great Commission, to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is where Paul's focus is. You know, a great analogy that I think stick, will stick with you because it's out, out, of the, out of the middle of nowhere is this. You know, Pastor here is a very fashionable guy. I love the way that he dresses. But he has, uh, he, let's just say that one day he wants to take you guys on a retreat. And so uh, since none of you guys are here to work, he wants to get cheap labor. So he hires a missionary because, you know, us missionaries work for nothing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But he says, hey, Chase, why don't you come over and paint the auditorium for us? I want to do a surprise for the church. Uh, And so he's like, just paint it a nice, calm gray. I was like, sure, of course I can. So day one, as you guys are all gone, I prepare everything. I uh, put tape down and I cover all the carpet. And I make sure everything is ready to go. Day two, I start painting. Day three goes by. And you know, I start getting distracted. I mean, I'm not a painter. I'm a missionary, right? I want to go tell people about Jesus. So I start getting, I start trying to think about how I can make this better for him, how I can make it more lively. So I start thinking, you know, my, my little sister, she loves unicorns. 
So you know what I do? I go to Home Depot, get neon pink and purple paint. I come back and I start painting unicorns all over the church auditorium. Woo! This is going to look great. It's going to be lively. And I'm thinking, oh, this is, the pastor's going to love it. Until Saturday night comes. 9 p.m. And he walks in. He's like, oh, the, what did you do to my church auditorium? I give you why are there unicorns on my auditorium, Chase? Like, this, this is going to wash off, right? I was like, no, it's permanent. Oh. I gave you a simple task. Just paint the walls gray. Why are there unicorns? Why couldn't you stay uh, focused on this task I gave you? It was simple. And you know the truth is, that's a crazy analogy. But that's our Christian lives a lot of the times. Because God has given us a simple task to go into the world and preach the gospel. And yet, a lot of the times, we find ourselves painting unicorns. We get distracted by things that we might think are lively, that we might think are good. But if it's not the command that God has told us to do, then it is nothing. You see, Paul's whole focus is on that, on furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that's the command that was given. So he writes this, and as he's focused on it, God starts blessing and he writes about this. He says, look guys, I'm preaching the gospel and people are getting saved. You know what's happening? I'm preaching the gospel and I'm being bold about Jesus. And Christ is being manifest or made known in all the palace and in all other places, meaning the gospel is getting out. You know, I'm from Georgia. I I have a very bad uh, reputation whenever it comes to math. Not very good at it. But here's an easy equation, equation for you. Paul preaches the gospel and that equals people hearing the gospel. That's what happened there. But you know what the convicting thing about this equation is? Is that people in Eaton, Ohio, not hearing the gospel is equal to us not fulfilling the Great Commission. You see, our focus has to be on furthering the gospel. And then our actions will follow. If we're focused on other things, then our actions are not going to be bold about that. But Paul's focused on the gospel. And it actually lights a fire underneath other believers. Look at verse 14 with me. Verse 14 says this. It says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So figuratively, Paul goes up to the church or his fellow brethren's seat and he goes up underneath them with a lighter and he starts lighting a fire underneath them. So he is pre- he's preaching the gospel. He's so bold. It starts cre- creating a boldness in others. Other people be stirred up and they're starting to preach the gospel as well. So instead of Paul doing it all by himself, he's actually bringing forth new labors because of his boldness. So he is so bold. He's preaching the gospel People, other Christians, they're looking at him and they're like, he was thrown into jail for preaching the gospel. I need to preach the gospel too. I need to be bold about Jesus too. You know what that tells me? That boldness is contagious. But what are we bold about? What do our lives scream? You know, I'm a, I love college football. It's a similar example. I mean, seven-hour time difference in South Africa. I used to wake up at like 2, 3 a.m. to watch the Georgia Bulldog games. And by the way, uh, in your faces, no, I'm just kidding, uh, but no, 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 I'm just kidding. Uh, I won't go any longer because I, I want to love, off- no, I'm just kidding, uh, but I love college football, um, but as, as silly as it is, 
How many more, how, how much more often do we talk more about a silly football game than we do the gospel, the amazing grace, grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? When we know, if, as long as we say, we believe that this is the only way to heaven, and yet we talk more about a silly football game than we do that. You see, that ought not be so. If we truly believe that Jesus is the one way to heaven, that ought to be our sole focus. That was Paul's sole focus, and he writes this. He starts telling us how God is blessing it. So not only is God blessing him, Paul's work, because Paul starts preaching the gospel, but God starts blessing it through others as well. So these other people, they start being bold as well. And that's all because of his influence. But then we get to some more exciting stuff in this. And I want to take you to verse 20 this evening. Because as we see that God blessed Paul's ministry of him furthering the gospel, and it lights a fire in other Christians to further the gospel, Paul shares his heart. And I want this to challenge you. And I want you to say, I'm going to further the gospel. Because Paul says this, and he says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So Paul here, he gives us his Christmas wish list. He says, if there's anything in this world that I want, my earnest expectation and my hope is this that I will never be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Because he realized how vital the gospel was. He realized how how much God blessed his boldness. Because he realized if he was not bold about Jesus, Christ would not have been manifest or made known in the palace and in other places. He realized if he was ashamed of the gospel, his fellow Christians would have still been ashamed of the gospel. He realized how vital the gospel was. And so he says, look, with everything in me. I want to preach Jesus. I want to be bold about Jesus. I want to make Jesus so big in my life that everybody around me sees Him. And that that Christ is magnified on my body. He says it doesn't matter what it takes. He was on trial. He didn't know whether He was going to live or die. But He says whether it be by life or by death, I'm going to get the gospel to the world. That's where His focus was at. He realized how vital the gospel was. My dear friends, do you realize how vital the gospel of Jesus Christ is? You know, in order to finalize my training, to become a missionary, I had to go to a foreign field for six months. South Africa was not very foreign since I lived there for six years. So I went to Peru, South America. And whenever I went there, I stood out like a sore thumb. I mean, the average Peruvian uh, is about this tall. He's got dark hair and a little bit dark in complexion. And I am not that. And on top of that, they speak Spanish. And I, I, I knew, uh, hi, how are you? And I knew the word for fish. I don't know why, but that's all I knew. But I was really burdened about getting the gospel to those people. So I started thinking, how am I going to learn this language? I started going through language school. I started going to a park behind my house. And there was about 30 guys my age playing soccer. And I go up to them, and I kid you not, I go like this. Walk up. Hola, como estas? 
And for those who don't speak Spanish, I sound like a giant white guy. Like, no joke. The reason I know that is because these guys are playing soccer. They stop in their tracks. Like, the ball is still going. They stop in their tracks, look at me, and they start laughing at me. I'm like, what did I get myself into? Now, don't ask me to speak Spanish right now. My Spanish is bad. Uh, But whenever I was there, I started learning more and more Spanish. I went more and more to that park. I started meeting young guys, started inviting them to church. I was finally able to preach the gospel. So I'd bribe them. I'd take them to eat pizza, to drink a Coke with me, and I'd share the gospel with them. But I remember my roommate buying a 1987 Volkswagen Beetle. And we fit 11 people into that thing to bring to church. It was awesome. We felt like it was going to break in half every other second, but it was okay because people were coming to church. But I remember one of those young men. His name was Luis Fernando. And Luis was a devout Catholic. He was trusting in his, word. He was trusting in his works for salvation. And I remember bribing him to come to eat lunch with me. I paid for pizza and Coke, and I told him we can talk about Jesus. We did. I shared John 3.16 with him. Porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo, que ha dado a su Hijo, unigénito, para que todo aquel que en él cree, no se pierda, mas tenga vida eterna. I started sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. Luis ended up getting connected with some guys from church. He came to church and he got saved. It was amazing. God blessed. But what happened afterwards really shook me to my core. Because I saw him a week later and I started walking with him on the sidewalk. And I said, hey, Luis, how are you? He said, you know, I'm really struggling. I said, why? What's up? He said, a couple of weeks before I met him, his best friend committed suicide. And his best friend was a Catholic, so he knew that his best friend was not in heaven. He was really torn up about it. But what he said after that really, really shook me. Because he said, you know, Chase, I felt like since my best friend committed suicide, there was nothing left in this world for me. So I was going to do the same thing. He said, but then I came to church and I met Jesus. It changed my life. See, if we were not bold enough to have told Luis Fernando about Jesus Christ, he'd be in hell for all of eternity. We don't know when people are going to die. We don't know when our family is, when our friends are. They can happen at any moment. But what we do know is what Scripture says. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. So today is the day that they can be saved. Today is the day that you can share the gospel. And that's what Paul caught on to. He realized how vital the gospel is. So with everything in him, he says, I just want to be bold about Jesus. Because his heart was where the Lord's heart was. Because he knew that God was not willing that any should perish. God wants people to be saved. He wants to use you, the believers, to get the gospel out to the world. But my dear friends, people are not hearing the gospel. And that is equal to us not doing our job. It's time for our focus to change. To stop being on our comfort. To stop being on our money to stop being on temporal things and to start focusing on the furtherance of the gospel. Because if we don't, then people will die and go to hell. And that's to our shame. It's time to change our focus.
That's what I want to challenge you as a church and an individual tonight to do. To get alone with God this evening and to say, I'm going to change my focus. God, help me to change my focus to further your gospel more than anything else in this world. It's time to stop painting unicorns and start getting focused on the task at hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless today and bless this time. Lord, as a pastor is coming up and he's going to challenge the church, Lord, please use this church in a mighty way. Allow us to give more than what we've ever given, whether it be our lives or our money or comfort, Lord. Lord, allow this church to do more than what they've ever done to get the gospel out. And allow us to focus on the task at hand to further the gospel. We'll give you praise for what you do in our lives because we know it is all you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Our eyes closed for just a moment. I wonder tonight, maybe if God has spoken to your heart, maybe you've gotten off focus. We focus more on our jobs, we focus more on our careers, our finances, our possessions, our hobbies, instead of focusing on the cause of Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight you say, Pastor, God has spoken to my heart. I've, I've kind of gotten off focus a little bit. God's spoken to my heart. I need to get refocused. I need to put my focus back on the Lord Jesus Christ and getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. You say, Pastor, God's spoken to my heart. Would you raise your hand this evening and say, Pastor, that's me. God spoke to my heart. Pray for me. Pastor, please pray for me. God spoke to my heart. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Put your hand down. Somebody else. Pastor, pray for me. God spoke to my heart. I need to get refocused. That's what Missions Conference is about, getting us refocused on what the cause of Christ is to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. Maybe it's just being surrendered. Just being surrendered to whatever God would have you to do. Would he have you go? Maybe could we, could we sacrifice a little bit more so that these missionaries could go? Is any sacrifice that God would ask us to make, is it too great than the sacrifice that he made for us? How much is a soul worth? How much is a soul worth? We need to get refocused. It's so easy to get distracted by all the things around us that we lose sight of what it truly is important. Paul sitting in a Roman jail saying, I just want to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just want the gospel to keep going out. We need to get refocused. With their heads bowed and our eyes closed, we can just stand quietly tonight. The piano is just going to play softly. If you raise your hand this evening and say, Pastor, that's me. God's spoken to my heart. I need to get refocused. I'd like to encourage you to come tonight, right now. Just step out. and Come down to this altar and pray and say, God, I, you spoke to my heart. Lord, I, I want to be obedient now. I need my life 
I need to get refocused. I've lost sight of what truly is important in this life. It's not about my career. It's not about my retirement. It's not about my possessions. It's about Jesus Christ and getting the gospel around the world.